Welcome to Small Business Celebration, and we're in Hawthorne, California today at a fantastic learning place, a nonprofit that is run just like a business. This is Small Business Celebration. Welcome, where we're celebrating small businesses for big breakthroughs. Welcome to Small Business Celebration, and our guest this week is Ed Lynch, the founder of Michael's Learning Place. Welcome to Small Business Celebration. It's good to be here, Michael. For visioneers who don't know who you are, who are you, and what is it that you do? My name is Ed Lynch. I'm the founder of Michael's Learning Place. We're in our 21st year. We're a local non nonprofit in Hawthorne. We started off providing after-school programs for special needs kids, added some adult programs that provide job training and independent living skills, and then our social enterprises, which is really the direction the organization is going. We have a commercial bakery on site. We have a t-shirt printing and embroidery business, and we have a cafe at Torrance Memorial Hospital. The students are doing all the work, and it's about the students. The reason we're talking with Ed today is because, well, I get a lot of requests to interview nonprofits, and most nonprofits who come to our doorstep basically come with their hand out. You, Ed, have a very different approach here at Michael's Learning Place. First of all, what is the reason for Michael's Learning Place? So I started Michael's Learning Place to, in honor of my daughter, Michael, who had passed away 25 years ago. Mm -hmm. So she would be 32 if she was here today. By the way, how do you spell Michael? M-Y-C-H-A-L. Okay. And no, we did not want a boy. <laughs> and because um, a lot of people, uh, I think, assume because of the name Michael. Right, sure. And so when she was here, there were really no programs I, as her parent, would have felt comfortable dropping her off at. The mm. kind of needs that she had, the lack, lack of, of language, fine and gross motor skills. So I committed my life to creating programs of somewhere a place she would be and feel comfortable and loved. But you didn't start Michael's Learning Place just, I'm 27 years old, I think I'll start a nonprofit. You, what did you do before that in the private sector? Well, I've always been kind of entrepreneurial. I do better as the leader than a follower, right. um, particularly if there's no respect there from your, uh, <laughs> your supervisor. And so I had a janitorial business for a while. I managed some properties in Santa Monica for a while. Um, did whatever I had to do to pay the bills. Hmm. And at one point, you decided you had enough. About six months after my daughter had passed, I was given an opportunity to run an after-school program. Hmm. Uh, same population, same group of individuals. And I did that for about five and a half years. And the valuable lessons I learned there is you don't work for somebody like that and um, get your priorities in order. Hmm. Um, as a nonprofit, it's set up a certain way for a reason. Right. And you need to stick to that. You need to stick to the, to the vision and the mission because that's really what drives the organization at the end of the day. And now we get into why I really appreciate what you're doing. Because you're taking, you're teaching life skills for these students and you're doing it through a kitchen. And those services, those products and services that revenue generated comes back into... Correct. Michael's Learning Place. Right. It becomes a steady revenue stream. Right. Why is that the direction that you're, you're planning to expand further and actually doing it? With a lot of nonprofits, you know, we're always, with our hands out, we're always looking for a donation to keep our doors open. Right. And it's important to have those resources, and there are so many nonprofits that need the support to do that. Right. I don't want to 
be so dependent on government funding that one day if they cut their funding, I'm closing my doors because I didn't plan appropriately and accordingly, right. right? And so in 2008, when that happened, that's what happened to a lot of the organizations. They were right. solely dependent on the government support. I don't want to do that. I would say the first eight years or so, we were at 93 to 98% of our funding came from the state. Mm -hmm. So can you imagine if they cut off our funding then, we wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation. So when the state of California starts sending you IOUs instead of a, a check, check yes. it becomes a problem. Yes, <laughs> right? So how do you address that? You diversify right. your funding stream as a nonprofit, right? So you have your foundation support, your corporate support, your individual donors, which really will keep an organization open for a lifetime, because that's where most giving comes from, is from individuals. Right. And the reason we started the social enterprise is we were having difficulty finding work partners here in Southern California to provide job training opportunities for our students. And so that's how the bakery started. The bakery mm. was the first social enterprise to start. It just started off by making cookies. Right. Just started making cookies. And then we started bringing in barista service. And we hired a young lady that had cafe experience, barista service experience, who could take that model, because I'm not a barista. Right. I don't know anything about coffee business other than I like to drink coffee. Sure. And so if you have somebody on staff that knows about the business, then you can create the business model. And that's what we did with the coffee business, where we would pop up at Mattel Toys in El Segundo, California, four days a week at both locations selling baked goods and coffee for three hours a day in the afternoons. And that creates that community awareness. It creates that the individual learns what our students are like, that they're just like you and me, someone attached a label to their name and because Johnny has autism or Down syndrome, he's a certain way. No, he's Johnny. Right. He's just Johnny. And if you give Johnny the skills and the tools, you support him, you throw him into the fire, Johnny will surprise you, not even surprise you, You'll, you know Johnny's got it in him. And now he's had the support to get it done. And that's what it's about at the end of the day. Social enterprise paying our bills is one thing, creating that community awareness, because we can't hire all our students. We're not that big to get to the point where we can employ them all. So how do we do that? We provide them with the tools to be gainfully employed, and a lot of the skills they learn in the cafe, the bakery, the print shop, are all transferable to other jobs. Social appropriateness, hygiene, all those things we don't think about. I can get you a job, Michael. The question is, are you able to keep the job because you have all those other skills to keep it, right? How the print shop came to be is I was at the Lakers training facility in El Segundo, California, right. and they had their ribbon cutting at the new facility. Mm -hmm. And I walked in and they took your picture at a step and repeat. And then while you're in the event, they printed your face on a mug. Right. A Lakers mug right. with your face on it. Right. Like I'm thinking, okay, do I really want to drink from a mug that's got my face on it? It does make much sense. The Lakers mug would be fine. But what I got from it is I watched the process of what they were doing. I said, we can do that. I mean, it's such a simple process to make mugs. Right. Within the next two weeks, bought the equipment, was not expensive, and we integrated it into our adult program. So we made it a regular part of the adult program, is, is how to use this equipment. And back to finding the individual to run the coffee business, Jose, who, who's been with me nine years, started in the after-school program, runs my print shop. Mm -hmm. His side hustle, printing shirts and doing mugs. There it is. 
So four years ago, five years ago, the printing idea takes off. Mm -hmm. I've got somebody with experience. Now, Nate, mind you, he doesn't know everything about all the equipment, but he's motivated, he's capable and able, and he's taking the leadership of that. I don't know how to print a shirt. I don't know how to do embroidery. I don't want to learn how to do that because I want somebody else to do it when I'm not here. So it's another model of a business that works. The beauty of the t-shirt printing and direct-to-garment business and the um, embroidery is companies need it, right. right? So some of our biggest clients have been Northrop Grumman, Chevron, Kinetka, Federal Credit Union. And if they're going to buy a shirt anyway, why wouldn't you buy one from us that's providing job training for our students? If you were to come to our print shop, Michael, and you'd watch the t-shirt printing going on, it's direct to garment, it's not silkscreen, you would see the students doing the work. You're not gonna see staff, you're gonna see the students doing the work. That's what it's about. It's not this token approach to the special needs population. They are capable and able. James runs the print shop equipment. He's been an employee of Michael's since December, 2021. And it's amazing to watch the process. That's a, an ex, that's an expandable business. That's a scalable business. That's a business that can fund us long term and our growth. I see social enterprises keeping our doors open five years from now, ten years from now, where if government funding goes away, we can just wave goodbye and not worry about it. If visioneers want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Well, it depends on how they want to get in touch, <laughs> sure, what, what sure. they want done, right? So do, right. They, do they want to hire a print shop? Do they want to think about maybe partnering with us and the print shop? Right. Um, the best way would be go, go to michaels.org. So it's www.michaels, again, M-Y-C-H-A-L-S.org. And then there's a link there for the print shop. There's a link there for the, for the bakery. There's a link there for general information about who we are and what we do in the history of Michaels. But there's also, you know, as a nonprofit, there's a donate button. So people can do that as well. And just so you know, Visioneers, this very attractive and very handsome home run entertainment mug is a product of Michael's Learning Place. And if you enjoy a small business celebration, go ahead and like, subscribe, and notify. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the viewpoint of a board member and how do you help your organization make the shift from strictly donations to something that helps the private sector. When we come right back. The winter season is rapidly approaching, but are the tires on your car or truck ready for wet weather? Bakersfield's best tire store, Clarou Tire, has been serving families like yours for 80 years and installs and services the tires your family depends on when the wet weather comes. Give Clarou Tire a call at 661-324-6069 and ask them about what tire works best for you and your budget. Call Clarou Tire at 661-324-6069 or visit them at 530 East 21st Street in Bakersfield or at ClarouTire.com today. The wet winter weather is rapidly approaching. Call Clarou Tire at 661-324-6069 today. I'm here with Ed Lynch, the founder of Michael's Learning Place, and our visionary question comes from Ben who asks, I'm on the board of a great charity and I want them to grow for the long term. How do I determine which products and services my charity should do in order for them to become sustainable beyond donations and grants? That's a really good question, <laughs> um, particularly when it comes to nonprofits, mm -hmm. right? So I think it, a lot of it depends on the structure of the nonprofit. Mm -hmm. 
Um, we're in a unique position to do what we do and why we've gone down the path we've gone down. Um, I know other nonprofits that have done products that they try to sell typically online, maybe in the community as a fair or things along those lines. But to sustain an organization requires a lot of resources, mm. right? If we compared our bakery with our print shop, you have to sell an awful lot of cookies to create the kind of revenue you can make from one t-shirt selling or one embroidered polo, right? Right. So where would the, where's the, what direction would you say I go in? Right. Clearly it's the print shop, right? right? We know, and that's the kind of, again, a scalable business can be put in other communities where there's a need. I would also tend to think that the choice of product or service would depend upon the kind of resources as far as personnel you have at hand because the people that you have may not be sufficiently able or qualified to do other things that could be sold. Right. So, again, as the print shop started to grow, we needed somebody at Jose's level. Right. Right. So if Jose's out sick, we don't close the print shop. Jose wants to spend time with his family during the week. We don't have to close the print shop. Right. It took us about seven months to find somebody. Mm. And he just happened to walk into the building one day. <laughs> Lived down the block. Right. Was curious and interested on a Friday. Came in, introduced himself to Jose. Came back the following Tuesday, interviewed and hired. Great guy. He could run the print shop just like Jose does. Right. A little bit of luck, right? And because I'm not a complacent person and I... You'll never catch me just like, okay, I've done enough. It's right. time to just, well, I'll just collect the check. That's not who I am. Right. The day that happened is the day I leave. Right. right. And so we had started a couple of other projects that we thought could be a source of revenue. Right. One of them was um, car washing. Okay. Not detailing, but washing. So go to a local business, set up a car wash. And, and this is something organizations can do. Right. The problem is it took about hour and a half, two hours for three students and one staff to wash a car. And if I want to pay... Not exactly efficient, no. So if I want to pay my students, I mean, are you going to give me $100 to wash the car? Right? So, but what we learned from that, again, are life skills. Right. Everything is an opportunity to learn, right? So now Johnny learned how to do a lot of the skills involved with washing a car. Right. Now Johnny should be helping the parents wash the car. Just because he has a disability doesn't mean he can, can't do something. Right. We don't know until we try. Right. The next project, um, which one of my board members, um, Jerry, former board members, um, he would have a good laugh about this one. Right. And we made cat structures, cat trees. You know, oh, once, yeah. I reached out to, um, my wife works at Mattel, and reached out to one of the designers, and they created a cat structure like an Ikea product, break down, goes into a box this thick. Right. So 18 by 18, four inches thick, there's your tree. Easily send that off in UPS. Absolutely, if you had a customer. Right. And if being <laughs> if, a keyword, if, if being yeah. a keyword. And so we're off to the races. Um, a furniture company, Modernica, based out of downtown Los Angeles, they donated all the plywood scraps. So we're keeping that out of the landfill. Uh, a company called IRS down in, uh, I think it's in the city of Bell, California, donated all the carpet scraps. Mm. Um, some products we did have to buy, but they were pretty cool. So right. Johnny learned how to use a chop saw. Johnny learned how to use a nail gun. Johnny learned how to put these things together and package them. 
The problem is it's not a really big market for those when you can go on some of these big box stores right. and pick one up for next to nothing. Right. So what we ended from that was we had this great table runner that had a logo for the cat structures. That was wonderful. <laughs> and um, yeah, so we let that one go. Oh, sure. And Jerry would laugh at me because I was gung-ho about it. And again, they learned some valuable skills. Right. And um, and you have 6,000 of them still in a warehouse. No, somewhere. those <laughs> things are long gone. Those things are long gone. Um, that's a memory. But that's okay. So right. the point being is if there's a nonprofit that you know, has a gardening program. Right. You know, why can't you sell your 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 grow your goods to local restaurants? Why right. can't you sell your herbs to local restaurants? So I think you're just thinking outside the box. Right. Anything is possible, right? And do I want my organization to be here, like I said, long after I'm gone? Yes. Right. Do I want it to be dependent on government resources to keep my doors open? No. Um, so back to the question about what the board member can do. The board member can reach out to the community. He can bring people into that organization and talk to them about what the organization does. That's how you grow support. That's how you get the individual donors. There may be an opportunity that comes along from a local business owner that wants to partner with you. Right. Or one of the board members themselves may have Absolutely. a resource or three. Absolutely. After all, that's why you have board members right. is for right. resources. I mean, if you work with, you know... Um, kids in foster care that are in transitioning out, why not create a business that they can do? Right. Right? It, they could do a print shop. They right. could do a print shop down the block from us. Props to you. Right. Right? But I think anything is possible. Just out of curiosity, what businesses did you own before? So before I started Michael's, and um, I managed some properties in Santa Monica and on the west side of California, mm -hmm. um, Los Angeles, California, and so I did that, and then I had a janitorial business. What started off as doing small little homes and weekly mm -hmm. customers turned into a new construction cleanup, you know, nice. projects that were built. Again, it was about having my free time and right. having my time and me having control over that time. And so when my daughter was here, the cleaning business allowed me to be home when the school bus came. Nice. Right? And I remember when she was here, and I tell a couple of stories about my daughter, and because she lacked in the fine, mo fine motor skills, when we played Barbies, I played Barbies. I sat there and I did all the things that girl little girls do with their Barbies. I cross-dressed right. them, I got them married, I cut their hair, I did all of this stuff right. because she couldn't do it. And so there was that there. And I remember I was doing some work in the front of the house while she was taking a nap or something like that. And I'm thinking, what do I need to do with my life? What, what am I supposed to be doing? And at that moment, it was to be in there with her. It was to be doing anything else, right? And the opportunity came along to start Michael's and or to work for another organization. And then when it became obvious for me to start Michael's, I knew it was the right thing to do. And let me tell you a quick story. There was an organization out of Culver City, California that I wanted to partner with. I wanted them to umbrella me as a nonprofit till I can get my own 501c3 and do this on my own. And I met with their board twice. Um, first time, question and answers, wanted more information. The next board meeting, I came down. Now, mind you, I've been associated with that organization since 1988. Special needs group, works with adults. And when they decided at the end of the meeting, the second meeting, they did not want to partner with me, which kind of floored me because I'd known them for so long. 
And I remember before I went home to just kind of vent, I went to Home Depot in the marina and I just walked the aisles at night. And I'm just, my mind is processing it because I didn't want to bring this frustration home. And I had this literal stabbing pain in my lower back. And when I made the decision to do this on my own, like that, the back pain went away. To me, it was obvious. I've had people tell me I would never get Michaels off the ground without their help, but they didn't want to help. So here we are today, and I love that organization that I worked with before, but they're in a box. I'm not in a box. I, I don't function in a box. As most business owners don't, I don't function in a box. And I want that freedom to grow, which every business wants, right? And so by being the founder, I have that ability to kind of create and my board supports the vision and my future growth because, you know, we have a capital campaign, which was to buy the print shop. Now it's to get a space to have our own cafe, brick and mortar cafe that we own. And, you know, they were working on a timeline and one of my board members, God bless him, he's, he's putting together the timeline and then he adds after the cafe is already purchased, what's next? Right. Because there'll always be something else or it's time to walk away. Do you still have your daughter's Barbie dolls? No. So she had a lot of a lot of cousins, and a lot of those were passed on. I do have her old Cabbage Patch doll. Um, I have her walker. There's a lot of things I still have with my daughter. Yeah. She's with me every day. Yeah. And we'll be right back. The reason we're here talking with Ed Lynch, the founder of Michael's Learning Place, is because of support from visioneers like you through our Patreon page. Simply go to patreon.com forward slash small business celebration and your support allows us to go ahead and grow the visioneer community. So go to patreon.com forward slash small business celebration and show your support for Visioneer Nation today. I'm here with Ed Lynch, the founder of Michael's Learning Place, and our visionary question comes from Anna Ray, who asks, I'm trying to educate my board member colleagues that offering products and services over donations is the best path to long-term sustainability. What did you do to convince your board and executive directors that this is the best path to take? When I first approached the board about any of the business ideas, it's about creating awareness and raising revenue for the organization. Uh, that's the key, that's raising the key. revenue. Right. And if I want the organization to be around for a long, long time, you know, we're, we're in our 21st year right now and 50 years to be here, how are we going to do that? Mm. Right. So if we have control of our own destiny, right, and our financial destiny and our well being, how do you do that? You either continue to ask for donations, you continue to do, you know, your rubber chicken events, which we raise a lot of money at ours because um, we need that revenue right but if you have a product design a product idea that society and the community needs right. not a novelty you know and then you have to think about what's the kind of revenue that's going to come in to keep what do I need to keep my doors open right is it a product that's going to end up in the trash can at the end of the night right is it a candle right, right? which are great it's a wonderful small business you have to sell a lot of candles to fund an organization right so when we started the print shop more so than even the bakery when we started the print shop we run it as if it's a for-profit and the money is go back into our organization as a non-profit mm. so the financial responsibility and accountability is that we're a non-profit right. print shop's a non-profit but if i want growth and sustainability 
we have to continue to grow it as if it's a for-profit. Is the structure of your organization such that the print shop has its own manager, has its own staff, they have their own budget, they have their own P&L, they have everything that a traditional business has that goes through and allows you to report back to you and the board as to the print shop's performance? Absolutely. And, and that one even more so. Mm. I mean, the cafe and the bakery, that, those two kind of go together. Right. The print shop, because I see the vision mm -hmm. five years from now, better to start off now doing it correctly and learn when there's minimal mistakes Risk. to be made, right. risks, right? As opposed to, oh, let's just redevelop, let's develop what it should look like. No, right. we've got a plan in place that we're continuing to work on and develop. So when we do find a community partner out there that works with the same population, they have to work with the same population for us to duplicate this, then we have everything in a binder. It's not reinventing the wheel five years down the line. You're creating a process. Yeah, so a system. A system. Boy, that sounds like a business. Efficiencies. <laughs> it's, all, it's all about efficiencies. And what can we do better? And we are constantly looking in every aspect of Michael's Learning Place and all our programs, social enterprises, what we can do better right. and more efficiently. Now, I have to ask, because I went into your office while we were getting ready for the show, and I saw a counter full of gumball machines, okay? What's the story behind that? Because some of them are classics. There's no way you can find them. <laughs> They're all classics. Okay. So excuse me. Um, <laughs> no, I don't like the, I don't like the fake, rep, ret, you know, what do they call them? Um, Retros, uh, reproductions. Right, I don't like okay, the fake sure. reproduction gumball machines. <laughs> what started off is I had one of my clients, a cleaning client, they had one on the stand. Right. That's the one I wanted. That was, right. that was my very first machine. Right. My second machine is we had the big earthquake in 1993. Right. And I was driving down 7th Street in Santa Monica, California, and I saw this one machine on the side of the road at a yard sale. And I bought it for 15 bucks. Things worth probably $400 now. Right. And I just, that became my thing to collect. And things would come along. I'd get birthday gifts. My wife, you know, what do you want? Oh, well, you can't go wrong with a gumball machine. <laughs> but just don't get me one of the fake ones. No, nope, it's going to be the real thing. I don't want the fake ones. And so that's kind of how it all started. So the ones you saw in my office, I think there's maybe 12 in there. And then I've got about three or four more at home that aren't the kind I'd want to display. Right. Yeah. What have you learned from collecting gumball machines that you apply here to Michael's Learning Place? I collect them because I want to do them. And okay. I want to collect them. Not that I want to do them. I want to collect them. But also, <clears throat> it's my space. It's my office. My staff can do whatever they want to do in their offices. You want to hang up? black light posters, you go for it. That nothing's going to stop me. My wife would tell you that I don't see barriers, right? So you had asked earlier, you know, for other businesses that are maybe struggling and trying to figure out what to do and how to move forward. I'm not an expert at it by any means. All I know is what I've done. Okay. And what I've done is I refuse to say I can't. I will adjust if I have to. I will pivot if I have to. Those other two little businesses we tried to start didn't work out. Now that could have just stopped me from creating, but if anything, you learn from that. Right. You know, what does make more sense? Cat structures or printing t-shirts? But also, it's being able to discern, I want the real gumball machine. I don't want the fake reproduction. 
Right, right. So unfortunately, I don't have the budget for the really expensive ones. <laughs> right. It'd be like people collecting watches. Right. Do I want to collect a $30 watch or would I love to have an old antique watch with right. leather strap and the beautiful face or, and a Rolex? And I don't have the budget for that. So right. you adjust to what you have. I love those. Probably will not get any more gumball machines. Um, he says no. <laughs> um, I'm lucky enough to have a space that's big enough to accommodate those. Right. Um, but I, you're right. I just say that now. Yeah. Having a successful nonprofit for 21 years, you're bound to have somebody that is going to walk up with bright eyes and bushy tails and excitement and say, I want to start my own nonprofit organization. And you tell them, great, just don't do... As it just works. don't quit. Okay. I mean, if you want it enough and it's in your heart, right? I mean, if you want something bad enough, you do whatever it takes to get there, right? I, I mean, if we had this conversation 15 years ago, I don't know if we'd be in the position we are, right? But you, opportunities, one of my board members used to say there's luck in everything. And there is luck in everything. Right. You know, we've been put in search, certain situations that I'm just blown away by because people want to support, people want to help. And so if you've got an idea, just make it happen. And don't be afraid to ask for help. People think we have to do it all ourselves. We do not have to do it ourselves. Again, we would not be here if I tried to do it all myself. If I was in the weeds with everything, we wouldn't have started these other the social enterprises because I'd be in the weeds with program stuff. If visionaries around the country and around the world want to get in touch with you and support Michael's Learning Place, how do they do that? Well, through our website, first of all, www.michaels.org. Uh, you can also reach out to us. We can have a conversation, and that main number is 310-297-9333. Uh, we've gotten donations from all over the world. Mm -hmm. uh, individuals want to help and want to support what we do. And how? what kind of a donation? Is this just a cash donation? So cash donations are great. We've had people donate cars and stock. Um, somebody has a building for a cafe in the South Bay part of California. <laughs> hey, uh, we're here waiting for you. Um, you know, nonprofits, we have to be open to whatever somebody wants to donate. Right. And if it makes sense for the organization and doesn't conflict with the work that we're doing, we open them, openly accept those donations with open arms. And I'll be right back with my final thoughts. The winter season is rapidly approaching, but are the tires on your car or truck ready for wet weather? Bakersfield's best tire store, Clareau Tire, has been serving families like yours for 80 years and installs and services the tires your family depends on when the wet weather comes. Give Clareau Tire a call at 661-324-6069 and ask them about what tire works best for you and your budget. Call Clareau Tire at 661-324-6069 or visit them at 530 East 21st Street in Bakersfield or at ClareauTire.com today. The wet winter weather is rapidly approaching. Call Clareau Tire at 661-324-6069 today. Necessity is the mother of invention. One of the things I really enjoyed about our guest this week here on Small Business Celebration is the realization that he had to diversify the revenue streams coming into Michael's place. And here we are in January, the month of reinvention and growth. 
This is the month where we start implementing the ideas and the thoughts and the plans that we made last quarter into the new year. And where we also think about, okay, how do I go through and diversify the revenue coming into my business? What can I do to help make my business stronger and healthier moving forward in the new year? After all, necessity is the mother of invention. I hope you enjoyed our conversation this week with Ed Lynch, the founder of Michael's Place. And I hope you join us next week where we celebrate more small businesses for big breakthroughs. And we'll see you here again next week. Thank you for listening to the Small Business Celebration Podcast. Some of today's music was brought to you by Ted Hammond, and you might find more of Ted's music at ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. That's ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. If you enjoyed this episode and gained some insight from it for your business, subscribe to the Small Business Celebration Podcast at iTunes.com forward slash Small Business Celebration and give us a five-star review. Also, if there's a business you'd like us to interview, reach out to us on LinkedIn and Facebook and let us know. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Roberts of the Small Business Celebration Podcast, and we wish you a strong and profitable business.